0: Hello welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Samantha Russell, Chief Marketing Officer for 20 Over 10. 20 Over 10 is a company that helps advisors market their business through intuitive websites that are easy to design and manage with a compliance backend, as well as providing all kinds of additional marketing support and consulting. And with that, here's my interview with Samantha. Hello, Samantha. Hello, how are you today? Good, good. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, Samantha Russell of 20 Over 10, tell us about 20 Over 10.
1: Yeah, so 20 over 10 is a digital marketing platform for the modern advisors how we pitch it. So really our focus is on helping advisors with creative marketing. We know that for, you know, years and years compliance has really hindered creative marketing for advisors. Everybody looked the same on their websites, everybody kind of had to sound the same, and it was really really a headache to do any sort of creative marketing especially digitally. So people weren't using digital marketing to get clients. And we realized that there was a need in the space to make a difference, that advisors should be able to market themselves in the same way other professions and professionals and business owners were and so we built a platform that allows advisors to create websites, to manage their blog, their landing pages, all within a compliance approved system. So they create all the creative or they work with our team of experts, our logo designers, copywriters, web designers to create it for them. So either way it gets created and then we have a compliance system in the back end that will either provide the review materials they need for archiving and compliance submission or if their broker-dealer is on our platform, there's a one-click compliance submission process. So that's really the core of our business. And then we also are just huge advocates for helping advisors get more educated on digital marketing in general. I think all business owners, one of the largest parts of their job needs to always be thinking about new business. But Historically for advisors, marketing was just not something they were well-versed in. They really focused on referral marketing and that was it. So a huge portion of our business has been educating advisors on how to use digital marketing to get more clients.
0: Yep, it's uh, it's funny as as I said before on this podcast. It's uh, when you say referral marketing is what you're going to plan up for the year. Someone I know once said, "Yeah, that's the equivalent of getting on your knees and praying for rain." Sure, <laughs> yeah. and don't get me wrong; I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there's lots of things you can do to drive those uh, those interactions. But for some people, for many people, it really is just like I'm open with shop. Send me business, hopefully. So, getting to think about marketing, that's interesting. So, let's talk about the journey. What it took to get here. So, what was the What was the driving factor behind starting this company?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually uh, married to one of the co-founders. So my husband, Ryan Russell, is one of the co-founders of 20 Over 10, and he and his partner, Nick DiMatteo, at the time, neither one of them have a financial services background. They were working as designer, developer. They were brought in for UI, UX type of thing, consultancy, for a large independent producer group. And when they were working with that large independent producer group, as they looked at all the individual advisors that that group had and, um, you know, had this like find an advisor lookup page, they started seeing all of their websites and marketing. And they it was like the exact same website layout with a guy with silver gray hair in a red convertible going over the golden great bridge. And they sort of laughed about it internally, but they were just asking their client, you know, why does everybody, all the advisors that are affiliated with you have the exact same marketing. So they started to learn a little bit more about the space and real quickly realized that. There was just not a lot of options out there for advisors when it came to especially their website. So they worked to develop 20 over 10, which is an actual platform that is both the website builder and the content management system. And they launched it with the idea that anyone would be able to log in, set up an account, choose a layout, and build it themselves.
0: Yeah, so your Squarespace or Wix for financial planning with the compliance backend.
1: Exactly. And they launched it and it was like crickets. Nobody wanted to build it themselves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, it's funny how people are like, well, I'm going to build this thing for advisors. It's technologically so much better than what they're used to. And then like you fail to realize that this industry is built off momentum and and getting them to do something different, especially when it involves technology is actually not an easy thing.
1: Right. And so, because initially when we launched it as well, we didn't have all of the broker dealer connections so we didn't have their broker dealers you know on these lists of approved vendors or yeah. with the back end compliance so what we ended up doing was pivoting and really focusing on the independent RIA space to start just to get okay. some traction within the market so because those folks didn't have to be connected to a broker dealer and they had a little bit more leniency they usually were their own chief compliance officer yeah. they we were able to focus there and then over time also break into the BD space. So we have a mixture of clients from both BD and RAAs. It's almost 50-50 at this point now.
0: Okay. So we have had one of your competitors on the show before, and that was um, advisor websites. Sure. Uh, and it's interesting because their experience is a little bit different. They're very much focused on the BD space because that's the problem they're trying to solve. So how has the RIA market differed from the BD space to your experience?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really just even when it comes to thinking about their creative marketing, independent RAAs, they don't have this big bubble kind of hovering over their head or thundercloud of compliance. Like every time they want to think of something. Let's not be if,
0: that negative about compliance.
1: Well, no, absolutely. But that's sort of the way that when we do work with people who, you know, if an idea is brought up by someone, they'll say, oh, well, that's not going to be compliant. So I would say there's a lot more that gets thrown on the table. A lot of it doesn't get used because You do need to be worried about compliance, as you've said, regardless of who you are. But I'd say that there's more brainstorming sort of that probably happens at the beginning with the independent RAs. And then things are sort of scratched out like, oh, this is going to be a hassle for compliance or this or that. That would be the biggest difference. I would say actually that one of the issues we've had, it's to your point, Hmm. is a lot of independent RAs don't worry about compliance to the point where, you know, it's almost detrimental to them. And so we've had (laughs) to give them we've had to clue them in on why our technology is so important. Well, you know, they'll say, well, why shouldn't I just go use WordPress or Squarespace? And we have to explain why archiving and that documentation is so important.
0: Uh, Compliance across, uh, (laughs) you may have the compliance department, but you still have a regulator.
1: Yes. (laughs) You you know, anyone can be audited. So you need to keep that in mind. So that would be one of the biggest differences that I think, and I see it so much has changed just even in the last five years, but in the beginning saw more RAs, independent RAs, like doing things like video marketing because they didn't have to necessarily pre-write out the script and then get the script mm-hmm. approved and all that kind of stuff. They could just record it and then archive it. So little stuff like that, but that would, I would say is the probably been the biggest difference.
0: Well, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, we can't shoot from the hip anymore in a lot of places. So that's, that's, that's good and bad. You know, it's unfortunate right. as usual. It's always lowest common denominator, compliance of, you know, the one guy who screws it up for everybody.
1: Oh yeah. And I was going to say, now that I've worked with so many of our broker dealer partners, I totally understand why they have to be as strict as they are because I've heard the horror stories. So the
0: number of things that go off the rails with the one bad actor and then liability from that. So what would you say, you know, you do have some competitors out there. What's your unique value proposition that you think uh, exists compared to them?
1: Yeah. So uh, a couple things, The, the main reason that we saw a need in this space for what we provide is really that the other systems and platforms that were already out there are typically been built on top of a pre-existing software. So most listeners won't know what these are, but there's things Mm -hmm. like Joomla or Drupal. These are backend systems that our competitors would build their platform on top of. And so when it came to making updates to the software or just making it more user-friendly or more modern, it often was more difficult because they didn't build the software themselves. So we built our software at 20 over 10. It's a proprietary platform we built from the ground up. So one of the biggest differences that most people won't see unless they actually are in there really trying to make changes. If you're working on a template, which is what most of our competitors provide, you put your logo on there. Oftentimes, unless your logo is exactly the dimensions that the platform wants or needs or the background color, it'll kind of look like it's just slapped on there. With our platform, because everything is so customizable, It's always going to look more seamless in most cases. You know, you don't necessarily have to have the perfect logo file in order to make it look like it was always a part of the website. So we just have a lot more, I would say, user-friendly technology in terms of how big is the container around your logo or, hey, I want to change the sidebar on my homepage. I don't want the sidebar on my homepage, but I want the rest of the layout of the site to look like this. Okay, well, we can just remove the sidebar. So ours is a little... I think of it just as more of a modular approach where you can pick and choose pieces of different layouts that you like and piece them together for the website you want, rather than choosing a template. And then you have to make your content, your images fit into that template. With ours, you provide your images, your content, and then the website is built around that. That would be the biggest difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, right. So that's that's the big problem with a lot of WordPress templates. It's like, you have to find the exact one you want, and your content has to literally fit in that exact box. Otherwise, eh, right. it'll make it look quite right. You know, not in the US, I'm in Canada, so I don't really have companies like you servicing me. But the, uh, you know, mine's built on Squarespace, and it was done custom for us. But I mean, just the power of those types of tools were literally a click box, and the entire experience changes. And it's, right. I often say, if you can use Word, you can use any one of these, you know, you can use a system like, you're talking about with your own then that's one of the big obstacles what was one of the bigger hurdles right as people like well i don't know how to code like how do i like i can barely use a computer how can i use how can i change my own website or do my right, own, right?
1: i mean and what you just said about you know we always say if you can write an email you can use our system i mean and what you said about squarespace we love squarespace we think that that platform was really one of the first to get it and yeah. to really you know make it super user-friendly and so people who've used Squarespace previously will find a lot in common with our platform. The other big benefit, and we do actually have a lot of Canadian um, users of our platform, is that if you are looking for people to help you with your website um, mm-hmm. on the setup side of things, you know, beyond just the technology. So
0: every advisor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: You're saying, I mean, like I- I've yet to find, I- I've maybe known two in my life who had a previous lifestyle, a previous life coding, like maybe two. And, right. like, okay, you can probably build them from scratch. The average person, absolutely not.
1: So somebody might say, okay, I'm in Canada. So why would I use 20 over 10?
0: Well, is different. I'll say that much. Yes. Yeah,
1: our team that is there to help with the onboarding and the ongoing education and just things like, hey, I, you know, I notice I have a Google review that's linking back to my website or this or that, and how is that going to affect things? Our team is all now a team of digital marketers specific to the finance industry. So we will get a lot of people, even internationally, who choose uh, 20 over 10 because they know our whole team is well-versed in the ins and outs of the industry. Yeah, well,
0: it's a difference between a generalist and a specialist, right? Yep. Squarespace is the generalist of customized websites. You have a specific vertical that you guys get to become the subject matter expert in, and someone comes with the most extraneous question about, oh, no, this issue I'm Having related specifically to finance, you're the only ones who know the, the answer. Squarespace is just going to reply back, "Well, I have no idea what you're talking."
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, or even the t- happened t- for
0: me. But so <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <laughs> Not that you have any particular experience with that, right? <laughs>
0: no. no. <laughs> I mean, it's think, like usually it's like I want something that it wasn't designed to do. Right. Crazy. Okay. Which
1: like people will email constantly and say, you know, hey. I saw that, you know, e has the lead gen tool, or I know Riskalyze has that risk assessment. Like, what's the best way to feature it on my website? And we can not only give them an answer, and mm-hmm. it's not simply, I don't know, just tell me where you want me to put it, but here's what five other advisors have yeah. done to success. So there's a lot of value in that for sure. And we stay abreast of all of the latest tech providers out there. We have lots of integrations with different providers that advisors are already using. We really want to make websites a workhorse so that you don't need, if somebody comes in through website to go and then log it in your CRM and then add them to MailChimp and do it all separately. It can all become very seamless and automated.
0: Absolutely. So that's, so you do provide information on on reporting on basically performance. So that's one great thing to, to see. They have to see how things actually act. I'm curious, do you actually look at like performance on a global level and try to find what the best practices are?
1: Yeah, actually, it's funny. I just last Thursday did a webinar all on um, a month's worth of marketing, how the most successful advisors spend their time. And we looked at you know the highest performers and the lowest performers and pulled out correlations between what those had in common. And so for people getting zero leads a month, the things they had in common were they had absolutely no call to action above the fold. So when someone landed on their site, you know they had no learn more or or yeah. schedule a meeting or chat with us or whatever. Yeah. No button. So just to
0: be clear for everybody listening who doesn't understand the call to action, it is some sort of button that invokes some sort of action. Like she, like she just said, like learn more, click here to book a meeting, do something. Like give them the easiest possible way to get to the next page, which is talking to you.
1: Right. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. And then the other thing they all had in common. So again, these are people getting no leads at all per month. They were not optimized for very basic SEO things. So SEO search engine optimization. They didn't have the title keywords or the um, location that they wanted to be found in, in the most important place of the website. And then the third was just, they didn't have language that was specific to any one audience. So the language was really generic, like financial planning for your journey doesn't say anything about who you help, how you help them. We always say you need to write your content to be problem solution based. So on the flip side of things, the advisors who were getting 11 or more clients a year from digital marketing, were doing a few things in common. The number one, which I thought this was fascinating, was they just simply had a link to schedule a meeting on their calendar somewhere on their homepage. I'm a like big they, fan
0: of schedule once and yep. that surprised me. Yeah.
1: yeah, they all had that somewhere. The second thing was that they had very, very hyper specific language. So it could be something as simple as serving the Minneapolis community with financial advice since you know 1972, but they had that they were focused on Minneapolis. It could be So geography
0: be, had an impact.
1: Geography had an impact and the, or the niche audience, right? Yeah. We help busy and motivated professionals take control of their finances with X, Y, and Z. So they would be very hyper-specific about their audience so that they were allowing people to self-qualify. And a couple other things that those firms did, they they included video somewhere in their marketing. So whether it was on their website, their blog or their social media. So personal videos of them talking to the camera, explaining their services, talking about what they do. And then the fourth thing was, so many advisors get quoted in CNBC or Yahoo News or the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm they would have somewhere on their page uh, as featured in page where they had the icons and the logos of those publications.
0: Got the buggy for that. Now, is that a blog post they can share?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, on our website. It's a blog. And then there's a link to the replay of the video having me explain all the results.
0: Fantastic. That will be in the show notes for everybody. Great. Good. And it's funny because all those things are, <laughs> I, I, I hear where you're coming from on all of them. And it's funny, like, I mean, no surprise there. One of the listen to Kitsis or anyone else who espouses these things. The being able to hyper specific your niche and let people, like you said, self-qualify, like that is me. That is my problem. That's my concern. Oh my God, someone who can help me with that. Right. Just like, you know, if I'm looking for, if my pipe bursts in my basement, it's going to mm-hmm. be like plumber flood, my neighborhood, Google search. Like, yeah. Those things are going to come up and I'm going to look at the first couple that come up.
1: And you don't even need to put your location in there because if you don't, Google will assume that you're talking about your location. You know, if someone searches financial planning firm or financial advisor or investment advisor, Google assumes you're looking for somebody near you. First and foremost, they assume it's a service-based inquiry before they assume it's informational. So it's going to usually going to give you a list of results um, near you. I have a really great blog post too. Whenever you do a Google search and you're looking, you want to be in that list with like the map and the first three results where it'll say get directions or call, you know, it's like, that's called the Google Local three pack. There's three main things you need to do to get in there, and I have a whole blog post about it that you I can. I will do. be
0: sharing that too. Thank you very
1: much. <laughs> that's always a key concern for people. So yeah, so these are the types of things that our firm helps with, and because so many advisors don't pay attention to any of this, such <laughs> such an opportunity. Story is true,
0: but I still gotta laugh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even after we give away all this information, it's right out there for anyone to find still barely anyone does it. So for the people that do it, you see such an impact because nobody else is. So I don't know how to hit people over the head with it any harder. I'm telling you free of charge, go out there and
0: do these things. It's so funny you say that I was at, you know, it's just a personal story from my, from my history. So when I was first, first became an advisor, I'm at a dealership conference. And when some guy gets up, who helped found the place and he he goes up and talks about like his top planning strategies, and he gives ten examples. And he's like, and I'm scribbling down notes like crazy because I've never heard of some of this advanced tax planning stuff. And he's like, "Don't bother taking notes, everybody. I am going to basically provide this this booklet that I have this all in as a PDF to you when we're done, right?" And everybody starts. Everybody applauds and people stand up. And the first question is, "Why are you sharing this?" This is goal. And so he's like, "It's simple. Ninety nine percent of you aren't going to use it." <laughs> yeah. If 100% of you were going to use it, I would never share it. But you know what? I'm okay to share it with 1% of people who are actually going to become better advisors out there. So I'm not screwing myself over in any way, shape, or form, but I am helping.
1: And I would say that applies to all of the advisors listening who get scared about like giving away some of their advice for free. It's like, there's so much information on the internet. No longer are we in the nature, you know, the game of you better hide your
0: tree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's all about content marketing. You need to give away everything, you know, basically for free, because it does become so complicated and people do get so deep in the trenches and then they realize, you know what, it's like the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know about something, help people realize they don't know a lot. Well, not
0: only that, it also comes down to the expertise of execution and the, cost of, and the cost of error, right? So, like, I could literally write everything I know about tax planning for business owners, and it would take a long time. And, yeah, there would be a lot of great detail in there, and maybe some people would take that away. But the problem is, at a certain level, the mm-hmm. cost of the errors is so profound. And all it takes is one of those before you say, you know what? I'm done doing this myself.
1: Right. Absolutely. That's I mean, the
0: old It's the old saying, if if you want to, if you think an expert's expensive, try hiring an amateur and the (laughs) cheapest. Right. And the most expensive amateur you're ever going to hire is yourself. So um, what else are you helping them? Like, it sounds like there's a big, heavy focus on just generalized marketing, especially digital marketing. Like, what else have we not talked about that you're doing to help people?
1: So everyone who uses 20 over 10, we do a lot with onboarding to help them, you know, set the website up. Once it's set up, it's that whole like mentality of you teach someone to fish. You don't just email us and say, hey, change this on my homepage. We will email you back and say, here, we'd love to show you how to do it because we know that the more you log in and update your website, the more success you're going to have, the more comfortable you're going to feel. And at 11 o'clock at night, when you want to make a tweak, you're not going to be like, oh, I got to email support and have them help me with this. You'll just log in and do it.
0: Well, it's so, also like, if it's going to take you, it's going to take you as long to write it in the email to send to somebody else, <laughs> right? wait, and then respond as it is for you just to do it yourself.
1: Right. So we, but we really are all about getting people feeling comfortable and making these changes and updates. So every month, I host an educational webinar on different topics. It could be email marketing. It could be search engine optimization using like, how do you get found more in your local area? Maybe events, what kind of events are people finding successful? It could be anything. And that's open for, anyone who's on our platform to sign up for. And, you know, we show them then in-app how to make changes to their website or utilize the features of our websites, the SEO tools, the blogging tools to get it done. So that's a big part of what we do again is that education. And then we do have two different blogs. So we have the 20 over 10 blog as well as the market assist blog. Mm -hmm. I haven't mentioned this yet, but we are going to be releasing a brand new product this summer called Market Assist that is going to be the answer to what so many advisors ask us for on a daily basis. So, so many people are sort of cobbling together their digital marketing tools as an advisor. So, they're using maybe MailChimp for constant contact. And then they're using their website provider. And then they have some sort of social media scheduling tool. And then maybe they use lead pages for landing pages. So, we've built an all-in-one platform to put all of it behind the scenes in one area, so that you can do your content marketing, have your landing pages, get your leads, schedule your social media posts, and there is actually a really exciting feature to it that I personally wanted and advocated for, which is a lead generation score. So every lead that interacts with your content is assigned a score, Mm-hmm. In real time, so that you can see from a sales perspective, who's the most engaged, who was most recently engaged with that content, and is your best chance for actually starting to drip on them a little bit heavier, get in touch with them personally, to connect with them. So this will be coming out, and we have a separate blog all about inbound marketing with that tool, the Market Assist blog. So, so Do
0: I need to book a second interview now to go over Market Assist? Because it sounds like, <laughs> sounds like 20 over 10 is your front-end facing web portal. Your market, market assist is your back end content marketing product. Is that about right? Yeah, that, that pretty
1: much says it. Yeah. Nailed everything. Right. You that, that's <laughs> it. Maybe I need to write that down and steal that from you as I explain this.
0: That's um, <laughs> okay. yeah. market on the show. There we go. Done. <laughs> right ahead. So yeah. So, okay. Excellent. So the last, uh, last couple of questions I'd like to ask are a couple of, um, bigger ones that think you think first off, if you had one wish, one wish for something you could change about your business or the industry in general, what do you think that would be?
1: You know, what first comes to mind is that I wish my business was located near a big city so I had an easier airport to fly out.
0: <laughs> For those of you who missed that, uh, <laughs> Samantha's located, What? sorry, where is Penn State again? We it's,
1: are right where Penn State University is in State College, Pennsylvania, because one okay. of our co-founders is yeah. still actively a professor at Penn State University. So yeah. I am physically here and I travel all the time and it is a beast to travel a lot of
0: a tiny airport talking about not being located near a major hub can be a challenge for the founders who have to travel as many conferences as advisors do go to so yeah that is that is not a small hurdle so I I totally understand your pain there in terms of starting and running this business what's been the biggest challenge uh, to date in your opinion whether it be growing it starting it getting it out there
1: yeah I would say for sure just the fact that The industry is really a tight knit community and people recommend, you know, businesses or platforms or tech. Typically you see, you know, inside sales, people, you know, hopping between different companies all the time. No one on our team comes from a financial background. So we really, really plotted along just with proof of concept for a long time and word of mouth of advisors who would find out about it and just love it. All of our leads were really just have been inbound marketing leads really for the most part. And so, but the biggest challenge definitely was just that we didn't have anybody on the team who already knew the industry, knew the key players that could advocate for us. So definitely we've thought about strategic hires, like from inside the industry, but at the same time, you know, it's always like your challenges sometimes are also the biggest blessings because I think we did have an outsider's perspective. So we could see things very differently than people who've been in the industry forever. One of my favorite things, just as an aside, I always will tell people to do something called the five-second test on their website, where you pull up a straight you tap a stranger on the stroller, like a on the shoulder at like a coffee shop or something, and you say, you know, hey, can you look at this? And I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. It'll just take 60 seconds of your total time. And then you show them your website for five seconds, and then you close your laptop and you ask them a series of questions. And it helps give you insight into like what are the glaring things people notice, what are they able to understand about your business, things like that. And I'll do it at conferences, and then all the advisors will go and ask all the other advisors to do the five-second test. And I'm always like, "This is not the audience you want. <laughs> you can't ask other people." Let's, in let's work end. within our bubble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're always like, "Do you think this sounds good?" And I'm like, "Another advisor is not the person you want to ask." No. You know, so it makes me laugh. But so I think that that, even though that's been a challenge, at the same time, now that we're on the other end of it, I can see that it has been a good thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. And for the record, uh, one of the there's a number of commonalities amongst businesses that I interview on this podcast. And one of the ones that seems to be overwhelming, and I think is hilarious is the lack of people from the industry working on these business, these FinTech companies to make our industry better. And I absolutely agree. It's funny, because people hear that like, Oh, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, yeah, it does because if you we get bogged down in a certain level of thinking or a certain preconceived notions, and it takes an outsider's viewpoint to come and basically disrupt that and show us that you know what, maybe you were right back then, maybe you're dead wrong now. The previous previous guest about websites, you know, the number one the one number one uh, statement or rebuttal he gets is, "I don't need a website." To which I literally burst out into a massive belly laugh when I heard that. Yeah. I'm sure you hear your fair share of that too, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Some of the partners we'll talk to and you know, we'll be working with them and they'll say, oh, like 30% of our advisors don't have a website or something. And can you do a webinar on why you need a website? And it's crazy that we have to have this conversation in 2019. I'm picturing I- what
0: it must've been like when the phone came about. <laughs>
1: Right. Right. I mean, and I always say, you know, for people, if you're not moving forward, you are moving backward because everyone else is moving forward. And guess what? You're left behind them. Yep. And it always amazes me too. I tell this to advisors, how much money do you spend on your office lease or, you know, your rent or, you know, what your clothes look like, the car that you drive, all of these things. And how many people seriously, realistically in a year see that versus how many people just look at your website traffic, ever see your website. Thousands more per year will see your website than will ever see your office, yet people spend sometimes no attention to that website, and they spend all this time on these, you know, fancy clothes or this nice office space, and so it's a very, very old way of thinking about something, and the people who are reaping the benefits are the ones who have been clued in and are thinking about it the way all consumers think about things now, which is when we want to know about something, we simply go online and look it up. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if you don't think like, oh, people don't find financial advisors online, I get stories every day from people, A, who tell me that they do. But B, you know, even if it is someone who's going to be getting referrals from friends and colleagues of who they use, they're still going to look you up online. Where's the first
0: place they're going when they get their referral? Exactly. It ain't the phone book. (laughs) You know, it is like, Oh, let me look into this guy. And if you're a ghost, good luck to you. And it's, I always, I always say to like, Oh, it's good enough. I don't get business from it. Like the reality is, is that you're only looking, you're not looking what I call the graveyard of evidence, right? We, none of us have data on people who visited our website and chose not to hire us. And the reality is, is that if you're not actually getting business from people who visit your website, then you know that 100% of that category is in the latter, which is visiting your website and choosing not to hire you because right. people are finding you. It's just a matter of not wanting to be there. And it's, well, the other thing I find funny is that, and I'm sure you've seen it and you mentioned XY on your blog at one point, but you know, the reality is, is that there's an entire like, new generation of advisors that are basically working almost 100% remote from their homes, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about it. They don't have the fat, fancy, expensive office or the car, all that other stuff you mentioned. There's no need for that because they're just basically getting this new remote work uh, lifestyle that everybody's getting used to now. Their entire office or personal presence is the website, right? So for traditional advisors, to say, I don't need that. It's like, or no one, I don't really care about it. It's like you do realize there's an entire segment of the business that is dedicated to nothing but that, and you're losing out on that that entire segment, because you refuse to pay attention to the fact that it isn't the 1980s anymore.
1: Right. And I think, you know, people's mindset too, for the longest time, your options really were either you pay not a lot of money and you get truly a really outdated website that doesn't do anything for you. So what is the point is kind of what people would say, or you pay $20,000 and you work with a firm and you get this really nice website, but then it's pretty much out of date, like a car, you drive it off the lot. It's like, you can't update it easily. And so that's really that what we were looking at when we started this business was let's be the platform that makes it so that there's not a huge upfront cost anywhere from $0 if you want to do it on your, on your own to about 5000 if you want to work with our team at the highest end and packages in between there, but that you can actually for a, you know, a pretty low monthly fee, fee, less than $100 a month, constantly be updating and innovating and changing. So, you know, if you add a younger advisor to your firm, and he wants to focus on ExxonMobil employees, because, you know, that's in your backyard. And you guys notice you're working with a lot of people from there. He can add a page to the website without building a whole separate site. So mm-hmm. our platform is really meant to scale with the advisor as they scale their business and make it so that it's not marketing, it doesn't become this huge, huge Herculean task that takes a bunch of time. And then when you're done, it's done, but it becomes outdated quickly. Instead, it's a series of things you do day in and day out over time that bring you leads that allow you to turn those leads into clients.
0: Yeah. And an important thing you hit upon there was it's not the old days anymore where you literally needed to go spend five figures to get a website off the ground the great thing about so much of the technology we talk about in this podcast is that the scalability is there from day one. You know, you're paying, as you said, let's so let's just talk about your price point. Your price ranges from $89 a month to $89 a month, plus different setup fees, depending on the level yeah. of, depending Four on...
1: Our monthly fee is the same, no matter <laughs> what setup package you get, which is the beauty exactly. of it. And the setup fees are very minimal. I mean, especially, I can't tell you the number of times I get an email from someone who's like, hey, someone looked up a CFP, they went to the CFP board's website, and then they looked for a CFP in their area, they looked at 10 websites, and they chose mine. And they told me like, that X, Y, or Z that we had on there was one of the main reasons why. Thank you so much for all your help. You know, That was a $3 million client. We get those kinds of emails all of the time. So there's, it, usually the cost becomes something that is, it, it's paid for itself very quickly. <laughs> no time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because the feedback I've got online over, over the years has been, and I did it, I mean, I set this thing up about three and a half years ago, four years ago now. And yeah, we've updated as needed, but you know, newer pictures, newer content, but channel structure has been the same. And some of the prospect feedback is like, well, oh, okay, you guy, you know, this person got referred to me and normally I just kind of gloss with the website, but like, wait a sec you guys actually put some time into this. <laughs> it's the entire, mm-hmm. it's very obvious when someone has done something other than the company default. Right. right. And I mean,
1: how many websites have you seen for advisors where it will say, welcome to our website, where we provide a host of financial planning tools and resources here to help you. It says mm-hmm. nothing about the problem that the client has, why Experience. they would yeah. be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you focus on helping small businesses navigate 401k plans for their employees and you put something on there about that, people are going to keep reading, you know, that's where that five second test comes into play.
0: 100%. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things I do is I, um, on occasion I do case studies for a major national newspaper and you know, that does build business, but it's hit or miss, right? Like there's, and what I found is after the first year and change of doing it is it depends on the case, right? It needs to resonate with human beings, with different people as you know what, that's me. So I had like one, one case where I got like six calls out of it, six prospects out of it. And it was literally, he was like, you know what? I cut that out and I put it on my wall because that's me. That's my experience, right? And you know what? The more you do that through your own business, through your own website, and find the people who are dealing with the challenges that you're helping people fix, the more likely you are going to basically land more business out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what I would say is a really good test for yourself is go to your website right now. And if someone never, ever had met you before, And they read what's on your homepage, would they get a good sense of you as a person? Now, I granted there's a lot of people out there who are in large teams, so they don't have control over that. But if you have a bio page you can send to leads, what does your bio page say? You know, is it written in first person or third person? Does it does it make somebody walk away feeling like they have a good sense of who you are as a person? So we have little things built in our platform like every single team member page has a main picture and a hover picture so that teams can easily put their, you know, in their suit headshot, but then a picture of somebody whitewater rafting and someone hiking and somebody doing something else to yep. give people a sense of who they are. People don't yep. choose financial advisors anymore because they're going to give you the best return. They choose firms based upon who they like to work with because the technology is pretty much the same for everybody. You know, but No so, one can
0: assure the best return anyway. Yeah,
1: exactly. So if you want people to do business with you, you have to build rapport and connection. And the web allows us to do that. Honestly, a lot easier than a lot of people realize. So things like including personal photos, we have quite a few firms who they have an office dog. So we've said, you know, put a picture of the dog on the website, call him the chief morale officer and give him a bio photo and talk about how he loves to greet people at the door and his, what at kind of his favorite bone is, you know, little things like that will make people smile. And when they yep. email you for that first meeting, they'll mention the dog.
0: <laughs> totally. Yep. Is everybody else looks robotic. So, uh, last question. What- about your job motivates you, gets you out of bed every morning and makes you want to go out and tackle the world?
1: I love that question. Honestly, it's all about, for me, connection. So people all the time will say, you know, you give away so much information or you're constantly, you know, answering these questions or this or that. And, you know, I'm not, obviously it's not on billable hours. I'm doing it on social media or anything like that. It's because I just love hearing people say, I tried out that one strategy you told me and it worked. I got, you know, this many more leads or I have a client that connected with me because I shared this personal story. That is by far and away making those connections with people I've never met before because I have some sort of knowledge that can help them grow their business has been so rewarding for me and allows me to build my own team, right? Like as their businesses grow and they send us more clients, I can build more people on our team and grow our business and provide more jobs. So Just that human connection that I've been able to make has been so rewarding.
0: And it's funny because they ask those questions, but you're leading by example. You're talking about the importance of content marketing. And meanwhile, you're giving it all away and proving how it works. And it's like, I mean, I'm sure you could probably point to your own statistics of how many people were drawn to your business because of your content marketing and say, look, this can work for you. You just have to basically do it yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we have, again, on our blog, not to beat a dead horse, but we have like case studies there where we'll show. You know, when we went from posting three times a week to five times, what did the difference look like? It was huge, huge for us. You I know, to do more writing. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, if writing's not your thing, you know, record quick videos and use a transcribing sure. service to transcribe them because Google can't crawl your video, but it can crawl your blog posts if you transcribe them. Or another thing I'll tell people is tie the task of whatever you want to do better at to something you're already doing. So for me, I have to record, or I shouldn't say I have to, but I like to record a video every Monday morning to share with my followers on LinkedIn. Yeah. So after I drop my son off to preschool and after I get my coffee, I sit in the parking lot and I think about what I'm going to say. And then I either record it in the car or I record it right when I first get up to the lobby of the office and then I'm done and it's, you know, done. Or if, you know, you want to blog more, Maybe it's after you grab your lunch, you sit at your desk and you absolutely have to type out two paragraphs while you're sitting at your desk. So if you tie it to something else rather than put it as a time on your calendar, I find there's a higher rate of success.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like anything else. It's like the gym. If you can establish that habit, you'll keep on doing it. And anyone I know who does online marketing effectively, this industry, otherwise they've got their, you know what, here's my time. I am blocked off. I am writing and I'm not getting up and plugged on X. And unless you get in that habit, it's not gonna be there. But again, it's one of those things where I think the real problem a lot of times with our industry is we try something once and then like, oh, I didn't get anything out of it. And it's like that's not how this works. Like for example, you went from three times a day to five times a day and had a marked improvement on your business. Well, you know what? Getting people to do it once a week is a big enough problem. Three times a day, sorry, per week, I meant doing one once is is a big enough problem. And you know, until they learn that it's consistency and providing more and more value that's going to do, that's going to be hard for them to get into that mindset. But you've given a lot of good tips in addition to featuring your, uh, your company on this uh, podcast, so I thank you for that. I will be including uh, links to both blogs on, um, on the show notes, so please check those out. And uh, thank you, Samantha. That was fantastic.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I
0: appreciate yep. it. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Samantha Russell at 20 over 10. And if you didn't get the message from the previous podcast I had with um, advisor websites, hope you get it this time. Please, if you don't have a good, beautiful looking website, take a look at one of these two vendors. It is not difficult to get up and going. And with that as always, I'm Jason Pereira. This is FinTech Impact. And Until next time, take care.